Hey everybody, welcome to the show. So today's a weird one, but let's pay the bills and let's get to it. PAX Racing Springs has come on board. If you did not listen to last week's episode, I would highly recommend it. If you have a UTV, we go very in-depth with springs and shocks and everything you need to know for your specific application and your current vehicle. Um, PAX Racing Springs has 100 years of making the highest quality spring products in the USA, which is a huge thing for everybody in the off-road market. We know stuff from China can get a little wonky. They specialize in valve springs, suspension springs, and bump springs, and those are used for circle track racing. Um, they have a line of uh, torsion bars. They have a line of sway bars. The Schroeder torsion bars are for circle track racing. They're a com- and they have a complete line of off-road sway bars called the Tomahawk Race Bars for everything from KOH 4400 cars to hill killing razors like all the guys you see in the uh, buggies out there they do have a line of trail bars and that's called the trail series it's a great fit for a weekend rig that needs a bar but won't see the high stress of the racetrack both the tomahawk bar and the trail series bars are available in all different sizes diameters and of course arms to match now what that does is that lets you tune a very specific part of your suspension your sway bar if you guys did not listen to that episode last week I highly recommend it we talk about the effects of not having a tuned sway bar or having everything else tuned but the sway bar and it kind of getting out of balance that sway bar is that final touch that really helps you dial your suspension back to where it needs to be again before that however I would highly recommend a UTV full spring kit. Just get everything you want. And if you want to go a step further, send your shocks off to Pack Racing. And they'll actually revalve everything. They'll retune your entire suspension and get it riding like gold. They have a ton of different spring rates. They have a ton of different designs and kits that are already set up for your terrain, uh, your, your specific car, what you like to carry. The whole nine yards, they'll go through the entire process with you. Chris Berger is the guy I spoke to, and he is incredibly intelligent, and I highly recommend talking with him if you're interested at all or want to know more details about the uh, pacing uh, rep pack racing springs um, spring kits. I have one. It's great. I've installed it uh, as of now. Haven't got a chance to take it out yet, but let me tell you, I can already tell you I don't have crushed tender springs anymore. I've got way sturdier bottom springs. Everything is just looking awesome. Racingsprings.com is their uh, website. They have uh, black, orange, silver springs, all to get your ride looking a little bit better. Um, Springs don't give up. They don't wear down. They don't compress over time. They have everything. And like like I said earlier, PAC actually offers in-house shock tuning as well. Listen, if I were you and you're interested in getting your UTV riding how you want it to one time and then it's done, just send your shocks off, have them do springs and a tune on the on the shocks and then just be done with it. Never have to worry about them again. Their phone number is 866-799-9417 or you can shop at racingsprings.com. Uh, It's a great company, and it's rooted in manufacturing the United States that brings over a century of experience to the track and trail. And the best part about it is they're such a personal company. They have actually even offered a discount code for all Racing on the Rocks listeners. Just ROR at checkout, and that's 10% off the entire website, which is (laughs) it's great. It's great. 10% off right off the top of a good quality product just gives you that much more reason to buy quality 
over something that may be a little bit cheaper. Because these springs, again, are the end-all, be-all for how to fix your UTV's ride for comfort, performance, whatever the application is. That's it. So onward, Infinite Off-Road actually is <laughs> the first sponsor I ever had. And still to my day, like to this day, one of the most important manufacturers to me personally because their customer service is pretty much unmatched in the market. Mike is awesome. They have a 25-year warranty on you break it, they fix it on parts. Um, it's great. I really have nothing but good things to say about them. They carry a ton of different ca uh, a ton of different things like cages and um, suspension components, everything you can think of at, at InfiniteOffRoad.com. Uh, they actually offer a 10% off discount code for their entire website as well. 10% off using code word ROCKS, R-O-C-K-S. And it's great. Again, the customer service is why I, I'm very particular with who I let sponsor the show. And everybody I'm talking to, everyone that sponsors the show, they all have impeccable customer service. I would not do business. Um, I would not you recommend you do business with them if I wasn't myself already doing business with them before they were sponsors. So long story short, you can trust every single person I'm talking about. One more person you can add to that list is All Things UTV. All Things UTV, I really am highlighting this trail suspension package that they have. Special carriers, lower A-arms, special carriers, tie rods, L&W fab, radi lower radius rods, high clearance everything. And it's all in a package, powder coated to the color of your choice, straight out of the gate at All Things UTV. They have uh, gear shifters, they have blow-off valves, and they also have blowout prices on tires and wheels. Seriously, y'all, this is, I mean, if, if, if they carry the tire that you want, this is the cheapest place you're going to be able to find it. And even if it's back-ordered or unavailable in other places, All Things UTV somehow makes it work because they buy in such high volume. And I don't know what Dustin's doing over there, but that dude right there has always got what you need in stock. And I've seen him be even be able to overnight stuff to, uh, you know, people who get in touch with him. And uh, it's great. Just give him a call, allthingsutv.com, uh, or you can find him on Facebook. He's normally running around, and that's Dustin Robbins. So on to the show. Today on the show, it is about me, and it's really weird. I sat in a room and talked to no one for a long time, and it was kind of uncomfortable. But I'm not even going to talk anymore because you're going to hear it all. Without further ado, it's me. Get a drink and gather around. Let's talk drivers. Let's talk rigs. Let's talk skill. You've got the best of the best in the off-road racing world. Have a seat at the table with us, and let's talk about racing on the rocks. Hey, everybody. So this is going to be kind of a weird episode because it's just me sitting in a room talking to me. Um... I'm basically not sure how I want to do this yet, and we're just going to, as Michael Scott would say, we'll start a sentence, and um, we'll see where it ends up, and we'll uh, kind of lose our way on the way down the sentence, and we'll try and figure out where we end up. So, uh, a little bit about myself. Um, if you guys don't know, my name is Jesse Williams. Uh, I'm actually based now out of Christiana, Tennessee. Um, we get the microphone moved up here. Uh, we just moved um, to this area last weekend. That's part of why this weekend there's just an episode on me. I wasn't really able to have the availability to connect with somebody this week. Um, 
to get a show scheduled. So I figured I have had a little bit of requests um, to kind of talk about myself and talk about things where who I am, how I got in the sport, and kind of just so you guys have a little bit more background on me. Um, I am 24. Uh, I live, like I said, in Christiana, Tennessee, which is in Middle Tennessee. So I'm pretty close to all the parks um, that I'll be talking about today. I got a chance to run a off-road course in Mexico uh, back a couple years ago um, after being in the sport for a while, but after that, I have not gotten the chance to wheel outside of southeastern uh, United States. Um, I'll be making my trip, making my way out to Moab, and I'd like to run the Rubicon and all that fun stuff and, and Glamis uh, sometime, but not, not, not right now. Uh, but for a job, a lot of you guys are asking. I'm a software engineer for uh, the Institute Institute of Intergovernmental Research. So I do uh, I do a little bit of research for the federal department, uh, the Department of Justice, and, and specifically in the law enforcement side. So um, any police officers, anybody ATX uh, certified, anybody in the ATX realm, outside of law enforcement. Um, I build software to help you guys. That includes emergency services, um, fire department, everything like that. So, um, but primarily law enforcement and, and uh, things like that. So that's what I do. I write code. Uh, I spend a lot of my time indoors. <laughs> and uh, that's kind of where wheeling has changed for me over the years is now it's a chance to disconnect from how connected I am. So we're just going to start from the beginning. Uh, I didn't grow up in a family that did four-wheelers. I didn't grow up with a family that did dirt bikes or anything like that. I kind of had to find it out all on my own. Um, when I was uh, 12 years old, I moved into a new neighborhood. One of my buddies there, he had a dirt bike and a four-wheeler. I had no idea about any of it and no idea how to run it. Over the course of living in that neighborhood with them, I got on the dirt bike first and uh, didn't do too much, you know, do the classic like guy who has no idea what he's doing and, uh, you know, you Superman wheelie it as you pull on the throttle because you're like halfway falling off and you end up wrecking. Uh, did that a couple times, you know, just going straight through a clutch, burning, popping wheelies and uh, every single time you change a gear because you don't know how clutch works. I did the whole nine yards. I can very much identify... With the person who really has no idea about anything coming into the sport, because I still really have, you know, we'll call it very little idea. You know, I, I know my way around the ropes, but not too much, to be honest with you. Um, this is all learning. Talking to the drivers is a huge learning curve for me, and uh, it's been really good. It's been great. I've learned a ton from the drivers and from our manufacturer spotlights. Uh, I'm also going to take some time today and kind of recall some of the podcasts we've had and just kind of go over some of the information and who they were and how I thought that they were good. When I was 16, uh, my parents surprised me. They bought me a 2003 Jeep TJ and it was completely stock. It had an aftermarket set of wheels, but road tires, all that fun stuff. I had a ton of stuff ahead of me. And um, to be honest with you, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do with it. Um, I didn't know anything about off-roading. I didn't know anything about Jeeps or anything like that. So what I did was I, I scoured the internet to see 
what these things could become. And I kind of landed in a weird spot because I wasn't sure what I wanted to do with it. Um, rock crawling had always gotten my attention. It had always just been, you know, crazy articulation, crazy tire size, sticky tires, all this and that. And, and I, coming from a very logical background, a very math-driven background, um, that's what made sense to me. And that's what intrigued me the most is how can I build a car that can climb these incredible cliff edges and things like that. It wasn't about horsepower at this time. I was literally into kind of the moon buggy scene. Uh, but having a Jeep, you can't necessarily do those types of things. So I tried to split the difference. And, you know, I threw I threw some tires and wheels at it. Uh, that's the first thing I did. I threw a Rough Country <laughs> two and a half inch lift kit, coils, and I think another two and a half in a body. And, uh, you know... It's a learning curve. I made the same mistakes that everybody makes when they first get into the sport, when they first start. And that's why I feel like I can always relate to people on any level of where they're at in their knowledge. Um, I've come across the entire board because when I threw on two and a half inches of coil and uh, it was rough country, so I went for the cheap and just tried to get up in the air with what I could. You know, I went that route and you know, I learned my lesson, I'll put it that way. I had 33-inch BFG KM2s. Those tires did awesome, but those tires literally never saw off-roading, in my opinion, what I would call off-roading now. Um, I found a couple mud holes down in, in you know, uh, area in Lebanon, and I thought that that's the pinnacle of what it was. And, you know, as I go on and learn, and, and being in high school, as you learn all this stuff, man, you have the good old boys who, you know, will tell you, just you know trash your stuff and just go throw it in a mud hole no one was really telling me you know the other side of the story of, of hey go to off-road parks go to you know to make your car lockers differentials gears axles the important stuff it was really just i was learning to be a mall crawler uh but i thought i was bad y'all i thought i was just the baddest thing in the entire world because uh, I had 33-inch mud tires, and being in high school, no one had a quality set of mud tires. Everybody else was running, you know, Maxxis or Thunderbirds or, you know, basically the the worst tire that you could run. That's what people were running. And the one thing that I really didn't understand was um, how extreme things get. And that's something that I learned pretty quickly because... I had my 2003 TJ all through high school, a little bit through college, and uh, or actually, no, I didn't through college. Um, on my 18th birthday, uh, my parents actually decided to surprise me with one last gift, and it's kind of funny. I had the flu, my mom had the flu, and my mom looked at me and said, hey, for graduation, we'd like to get you a car that'll be able to commute a little bit better, because everybody in the Jeep world knows that Jeeps are pieces of junk, man, like... After getting out of them, they're just pieces of trash. I wouldn't buy another one to save my life. But, you know, the TJ wasn't going to make it. I'll just say it that way. Uh, I was going to school about an hour away. I was going to go to Tennessee Tech University and study mechanical engineering. My parents wanted me to have something just a little safer, a little bit more reliable. So we actually ended up trading in my TJ. We paid ten grand for it when we got it. And it had under 100,000 miles. You know, nothing done to it. Just bought it from a family friend, and it was kind of just what it was. Um, we paid 10, 10 grand, maybe ten five for it. And uh, 
I was actually able to trade it in. I was sorry, y'all. I was listening for my kid. I thought she was crying. Um, I was able to trade it in for ten five and got a brand new two thousand thirteen two door JK uh, manual transmission. All the bells and whistles. Three point six. Uh, well, I say the bells and whistles. It was the bells and whistles at the time. Um, it was everything. But it was the sport model. It was the base. It had no bells and whistles. It had nothing. It was just the basic car. But the cool thing about it was I got this platform, a blank platform, and I got a chance with all the knowledge that I had gained to build something cool. But it makes you roll it back because that wasn't my mindset. Um, you know, your parents help you buy a car and they want it to stay that way and First thing I wanted to do was put wheels and tires on it. Mom and dad were like, nah, not a good idea. Let's keep it roadworthy because that's why we bought it for you. So I kept it stock for a long time. And uh, during that time, I saved up a bunch of money and, and had, a, had a little bit left over. And um, I actually got a chance to go out and I bought a 1998. Uh, it was a TJ with the inline six. And the guy that had built it before me he put uh, Dana 60 Rock Crusher in the back, uh, Dana 44 in the front. It was all cut to be stock width. Had ARB's 456 gears. It was running on 37-inch IROC Super Swampers, um, Poison Spider, Crusher Flares, all that fun stuff. But the thing was, this guy had used it for pretty much trails only. And it wasn't beat up or nasty but it wasn't awesome. Oh, it did have an Atlas transfer case as well, which was awesome. Um, like I said, it wasn't beat up or nasty or, any, or anything really like that. But what it was, it was a rig that was actually made to run and be ran and, and be, be on the trail. So this is my first time and my first experience at actually having a rig that's trail worthy. And what we did is my buddy and I, we took it out to Adventure Off-Road Park. Um, which I'll talk a little bit more about later. Um, we went to Adventure, and I got to take this Jeep out and really learn rock crawling and learn that if you're in the south, that rock crawling with low gear ratios and things like that, it just doesn't get the job done. Um, the Super Swampers were awesome. The axles were awesome. ARB is awesome. Atlas Transfer Case is like the coolest thing in the world. It was great. But the thing that got me was... If I ever broke anything in a full-size rig, it, it the recovery process is just a it's a it's a uh, it's a real big pain. We'll put it that way. Because um, if you were to break an axle and have to drag that thing out, you got to find something bigger than you to drag you out, and it's just a nightmare. So I, I I eventually I got in that car. My buddy he bought a YJ, and like we were just two jeeps out there just trying to ride some trails and. It was fun, um, you know, for those who have only been in the side-by-side -side market, driving a full-size rig is very different. It's very, very different than driving a UTV because, you know, you have solid axles, but you're bigger tires, things like that. It's just it's just comparing, in my opinion, apples and oranges. Uh, and the guys that can go between both of them, you know, good for you, because I don't know if I'd be able to off-road a f solid axle, full-size rig, this, you know, as well as I can a UTV. I'm definitely a, a Razor driver for sure. But moving on, we kind of got into it and I realized this piece of junk is going to fall apart on me one day. And I, I put metal cloak fenders and like I spruced the whole thing up, made it look nice and all this and that. 
Uh, and I was just like, you know, it's not, it's not what I want. It's just not what I want. I, it was a moving target. I couldn't, I wasn't a rock bouncer. Let me just put it that way because about this time I had gone out and seen what rock bouncers were and how it really took momentum to get out there and you know, like I said earlier, rock crawling just didn't work in the southeast. It just doesn't, it's just not exactly what you'd hope. If it gets wet at all, you have to have, you know, momentum. And that's where the phrase like bump it comes from because, you know, if you don't hit it, it's not, you're not going up. And that that's universal across all off-road vehicles. But, you know, after having that car, I had spent some time in Razors beforehand. Um, my good buddy Mitch Kincaid, shout out to Mitch Kincaid, uh, Mitch Kincaid one on Instagram. He's uh, he's the guy who really got me into side by sides because in high school when I had my blue TJ, he had a, him and his dad had an 800 and an 800 S, and that 800 S, y'all, you would have thought it was the baddest thing in the entire world because you know it was just so capable and it was so fast and and everything was just awesome, but they got a set of 900s when I was in college. They they had two 900 XPs. And this is about the time that I am, you know, into the full-size rigs and things like that. And I'm like, man, you just can't rock crawl with a razor. Like, you know, I just dead set. I want to have big tires. I want to crawl. And, and I want to be able to have fun and go slow. You know, it wasn't a big deal to go fast. But we would go to Winrock and do these, you know, full long day trips of just riding one way and then riding back. And I was like, man, this is a blast. And I thought about it to myself. I was like, I could bring my Jeep out here. And I could do this, but over time, I just, I changed my opinion a little bit. And, and I'll kind of loop back around to that because basically I had my white TJ, the 1998, which was fully built, ready to go. And I ended up selling it because I was like, you know, I don't like having two Jeeps. It's expensive. This is double the maintenance. I'm just going to sell this white one and I'm going to put all the money into my orange JK and I'm going to make it badass and we're going to make it awesome. So, shout out to my boy Elijah Conkle. He's a supporter of the show. He came, he bought my white TJ from me and um, that dude overlands with that thing. He, I've seen him climb a bunch of stuff. He, good for him, dude. He's, he's using it the way that I never really had the nuts to use it. I'll, I'll put it that way. But, or the bank account to use. <laughs> but, uh... What I did was I took the money I had for my TJ and I dumped it into the, the orange Jeep and I put uh, Off-Road Evolution King coilovers on it. Uh, I put 35-inch Goodyear MTRs with some, um, uh, what's the brand of type wheels that everybody runs? They're, they're not the KMCs, but they're the, um, oh, it's going to kill me. Um, I don't remember. The ATX or whatever, it's, it's it's one of those brands like that makes the big slot beadlocks. I put some of those on there, cut the fenders, had a winch, bumper, all the you know, all the things you need for jeeping. And I took it out and I had essentially off road do that work by the way. Shout out to them. They did a great job. Um, that kit is supposed to be bolt on, but I mean, unless you're just really know what you're doing and trust yourself, you just nobody wants to be drilling in the frame, so I had everybody else, I had someone else do it for me because I was just not interested in drilling the frame and messing it up because, you know, at 20 years old, never having done, you know, hardly changed a tire, I didn't know what I was doing. Didn't need to be drilling in my frame, for sure. So I had them do it and uh, I took it wheeling the next weekend. 
I actually had an issue. Synergy MFG makes a, makes a drag link upgrade and a tie rod upgrade, and you had to drill out the knuckle, and it's just pain in the ass, honestly. And uh, I ended up breaking that that drag link. Had a drag link in go bad, and I don't know, man. I just I just wasn't real pleased with Synergy stuff. Um, the customer service was kind of weak too. Uh, I don't know. Take it for what it is. I'm not in the Jeep world anymore. I'm not trying to make any money or bash anybody there either. But I would, uh, you know, I didn't have good experience with them. Uh, oh, man. I'll tell you, all sitting here talking to yourself about everything is a whole different ball game. It is weird. It's real weird just sitting here talking to myself. Um, but we're going to keep on going. So I have the orange Jeep, and I take it out wheeling. Um, funny story, I actually, essentially off-road used that car and put it in their booth a couple times. Uh, the Smoky Mountain Jeep Invasion, they took that Jeep and did a few other things with it. But one really cool opportunity that I had was um, Summit Racing and Spike. They were doing a kind of highlight on trail riding. And it was a highlight on trail riding with a group. And there's a local group in Middle Tennessee called Jeeps and Wrenches. I actually got the invite via text from one of the guys that used to work at Essentially Off-Road, and I got up to Adventure Off-Road Park that day, and there was about 10 Jeeps out there, there was a couple rock bouncers, and uh, Ian Johnson was out there, and they were actually filming for Extreme 4x4. Now, if you go back, and, and I don't know, Power Nation has done some stupid stuff with their model on how they're trying to make money now, and especially with that, with Ian not being there, so it's kind of really lost its luster, but um, there's an older episode where we all went to Adventure, and actually got an interview with uh, with Ian and with the crew about what it's like to go ride with people and about how riding with a group of people really makes a huge difference and how you build your rig, the things you can do and you know being able to make it off of a off a trail if something were ever to go bad but on top of that just being able to uh, I don't know make friends and have have communion and and being being like brotherhood and you know, friendship with all the people that are out there. It was, it's really great. If you, if you ride alone or have a small group, I encourage you to find people to ride with because it really makes a huge difference in terms of how much you'll enjoy your machine. But we went out there. I wheeled that orange Jeep for quite a bit. Um, I thought the Evolution Springs uh, that they came with that package, it was a King Shock, a King Coilover. I think it was like a 14-inch and then... Uh, the springs were king, and I thought they had oversprung the kit. I I just really wasn't super stoked about that either. Uh, it's a good kit, but it's if you're a two door, I think you need some tuning with it. If you're a four door, out of the box, that that off road evolution uh, kit, it seems to work really well. Um, moving on though, because I want to kind of get to the crux of it. I want I want to make a point here. Um, I dealt with death wobble in that orange Jeep a lot because of just the Dana 30 up front, piece of junk. I put ball joints in it, I put stabilizers, tie rods, tie rod ends, drag link ends. I fought that front end to everything. And dude, I was coming back from riding at Golden Mountain one day and going down one of the mountains, coming towards uh, Middle Tennessee from Cookville, I had death wobble happen so bad, I was going about 60 miles an hour, and I had an 18 wheeler behind me, I drove off the road and just like took a huge breath and was like, I could have been killed. So 
Needless to say, I got the got the Jeep fixed and sold that thing. I sold it as fast as I could because I was so done with it. I was so upset uh, that the fact that, that I just couldn't chase down what the issue was with that car. So I got rid of it. It was fine. But, you know, I got a lot of that information from on how to build that car from Way of Life, which... Way of Life is like a trigger for everyone on the internet. Uh, the guys over there are kind of douchebags, but, you know, it is what it is. It's, you know, if you don't want to be there, don't be there. I got, a lot of, I got a lot of that with Facebook, too, and we'll kind of get back into that kind of as we talk about how the podcast is going and all that fun stuff because I got feelings about it, people. Um, but going, going back on to things, uh, you know, I have this Jeep that I don't like, and I told myself, you know what? I've been on these long distance razor trips for a while. You know, I'm gonna go buy me a truck because I think I can use a truck, but I think I'm gonna get me a razor and I'm gonna get me a cheap one just so I can kind of, you know, land somewhere in the middle and just see if I really wanna do it because, you know, it was fun. It was fun going distances. So I went out, bought me a truck, and uh, done with the Jeep life. Done with the Jeep life. Never went back, Never probably never gonna go back, just a heads up. But I went out and I bought me a 2011 900 XP with like 2,000 miles on it. I paid like way under 10 grand. Like it was a deal, if you want to call it that. Because the motor is pretty sound. It's just been ridden on the roads, what it seemed like. That's what the guy told me. And I mean, you know, you guys know when you look at a machine and you can tell when it's been beat to hell. And then you can tell when, you know, there's no scratches on trailing arms. There's no scratches on the skid plates or anything like that. And you're like... I wonder what this person even used this thing for. But um, the guy I bought it from was a funny guy. And because one of the first things I noticed about it when I went to go buy it was that the taillights didn't work. It doesn't matter if you press the brakes or had it on or whatever. And I said, hey, man, like, you're trying to sell me something with broken, like, wiring in the back? And he goes, nah, dude. Uh, flip that switch under the console or, like, under the dash. I flipped it, taillights pop on, everything works normal. And I was like, why? And he said, not going to lie to you, man. Down here in Crossville or wherever we were, Cookville, I don't remember where it was. He's like, you doing a little back road riding and then the cops show up, they're going to come after you. And he said, you just flip those taillights off and you're good to go. And I was like, all right, first off, you're crazy. Why? Why? Why are you doing this? This is stupid. Second off, I'm going to get arrested because this, you know, if I'm driving this anywhere, it's going to be associated with running from the police. So please, God, don't ever, just don't buy or don't don't run from the police y'all it's just not a good idea anyway around but uh long story short i get in this 900 xp it's got 30s got 30 inch uh max's big horns got double beadlock itps some high clearance radius rods high clearance uh lower arms uh utv ink cage light bar pro armor doors like this bad boy's ready to run so first thing I do is uh, I bought I buy it on a Friday and then Saturday I go to Adventure Off Road Park and I go run this thing and this thing rides like a freaking log wagon. Uh, this dude he I mean I don't know if it was because he had the springs or if he was trying to get lift or just to make the tires fit I don't remember what it was what he told me but uh, he had these the preload on the springs like crazy any I mean I'd go over a pebble and the other and the the opposite tire would be in the air. And, uh, spoiler, my, my, one of my buddies called it the old high lifter before the high lifters came out. Uh, and, 
it's a rough rider. It was rough, man. But that 900 XP, I tell y'all, we did, I did all of Adventure Off-Road Park with it. Um, we did a lot of riding that summer. I did Golden Mountain with it, just about everything in Golden Mountain. Uh, I'm to think here. I'd never changed a ball joint, a bearing, anything in that car. So that car got, that car got thrashed on. But one, the, the fall that I got it, we went to Winrock and we actually did the first time where I had my own car. Uh, we did 10 hours one way and 10 hours back. Or not 10 hours, it's probably about, I don't know, 6 hours one way, 7 hours one way, and then, and then about 6 hours back. And we did it for the first time and it was something I fell in love with. Because at Winrock, if you've been there before, you know you can just ride forever. And never ride the same trail twice. It's probably the best park on this side of the country. Especially because you can ride Windrock, Brimstone, all that fun stuff together. You can just chain everything together. It's it's amazing. Like by far the best riding that you can do. And the cool thing about it too is you can get for, you can go from like gravel roads to the roughest stuff that you'll see at any off-road park ever. It's it's a great place if you are close or want to make the pilgrimage do it. It's the greatest place in the world. Um, but that 900 XP, it did so good. It rode like crap, but man, I just couldn't break the thing. You know, well, let me knock on some wood here. Uh, I broke front diff in it because I was on flat land and got hung up and just, I just don't even know. Just bad luck that day. I just broke the front diff. So, uh, shout out to my buddy, Chris West, shake and bake powder coating. He, uh, he actually got me squared up, put a new 1000 diff in it. He's a super dude. Um, I had no idea about razors, how to fix anything, took it to the dealership, and they were like, yeah, you got a broken front diff, it'll be like three grand for a new 900 XP diff, and I just laughed at him, was like, get out of here with that mess. So, took it to Chris, Chris got me fixed up, and um, that's actually the weekend before I took it to Winrock, and we put a ton of miles on it, but uh, it's awesome. I'm also going to loop back and talk about Winrock. Uh, the, but the 900 XP was a great machine. Uh, I sold it actually for more than what I paid for it. Uh, sold it with a trailer. It was great. Great turnaround on that machine. Uh, just would have loved to have it a little bit more comfortable. Um, so the next machine that I bought, got lots of pictures talking about Winrock. Um, and for those who aren't familiar, uh, my handle on Instagram is JTMW, and basically what I'm doing right now is I'm scrolling through my Instagram to see the progression of everything that's happened over the course of the time. But after that 900 XP, I sold it. I was working as an engineer for an agriculture company at the time, and I had no kids, I had no girlfriend, I had nothing, and I was like, you know, man, I'm just going to buy a badass razor. I don't even remember what year it is. It's probably, I think it's 2016. I went out and bought me a uh, a used 2016 orange turbo with like 30 miles on it. And some 19-year-old girl had it. And uh, she didn't, she didn't, I think it never been used. Never been used at all. She'd welded in a couple extra bars for safety just to make sure that cage didn't crumple on her. Uh, she had somebody do that for her. But... Man, it's that Spectra Orange, by far my favorite razor ever, 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 ever. That, I'm talking about design-wise. Orange is my favorite color, but man, that was a bad mamma jamma. Um, I got that thing, 900 XP to turbo. That is the stupidest amount of power difference I've ever seen in my entire life. I, I remember test driving the turbo, and I didn't buckle my seatbelt, 
because I thought I was just going to make sure, you know, okay, everything's turned and stuff like that. And I get in it, I'm like, it won't let me go over 50. And I take it back to the girl, and I was like, yeah, it, something's wrong with it. She's like, oh, like, buckle up. And I was like, okay. And I buckled up, turned around, and Lord, that thing about blew my socks off the first time I ever put, like, really stepped in it. So, I was super pleased with the turbo. Um, again, the first thing I did with that, I actually took it to Woolies Off-Road, and uh, man, it's awesome. Um, it was great. That car was so good. The turbo has so much power. Um, I kept that machine mostly stock. I took it to AOP mostly stock, put lower A-arms on it because I dinged the other ones up pretty bad, but that stock turbo is a great machine. Um, I'm not... I wouldn't say I'm easy on parts anymore. Uh, I'm, I'm not abusive like some of the guys who race are, but that stock turbo machine was awesome. Uh, I, I really think that they nailed it with that 1000 XP platform, and just sticking a turbo on there was awesome. Um, I could go everywhere. I would follow all the buggies at, uh, at AOP, you know, and any anything, you know, there's always bypass lines and stuff like that, but, but that turbo was awesome. So... I got a few things squared away on the turbo. We did a couple of rides at Brimstone. Again, six hours one way, seven hours one way. Everything you can think of. But uh, I sunk my turbo the first time I took it to Brimstone. Voltage regulator blew. That was covered by warranty, but man, that was just an annoying thing to break. Uh, one day I had my whole wheels fall off because I didn't tighten my lug nuts right. Uh, they weren't tightened down as tight as I thought they were, and the whole wheel fell off. That was funny. Um, anything you can think of, you know, we, I put some miles on that turbo and that turbo was good. That's probably the most sound machine I've ever had as far as staying together. Um, now I put that turbo up for sale, not really thinking what I was going to do with it. Um, I wasn't sure what I was going to do. Uh, maybe I was going to be out of riding. Um, I, I, like all of us, I go through ups and downs of like, man, I really want to ride sometimes. Sometimes I really don't want to ride. And I think it was just one of those times, it's like, you know, I'm kind of done with Razor riding for a little while. I just want to take a break. And I put my turbo up for sale, put on Craigslist, and I had a guy reach out to me, the uh, the owner of Toxic Off-Road Fabrication. Um, they do amazing work on cages. Uh, really big shout out to that guy, because he does some awesome work. His name's Cody, uh, I don't know how to say his last name, Treese, I think is his last name, Cody Treese. Uh, he, he does awesome work on cages, and it's super strong. But he reached out to me and he said, hey man, I got a 1000 XP buggy and uh, it's a two-seater and would you want to just trade straight up? And I was like, nah, this guy's kidding. I literally, Cody, if you're listening to it, you, I, I hope you never caught my, my bluff here. I was like, all right, what's done to it? And he was like, oh, this, this, and this. And I was like, yeah, sure, let's trade straight up because it was a good deal for me and I'd always wanted a buggy and after seeing Rock Bouncers for such a long time, you know, I thought it was cool. Uh, so we actually ended up making the trade and I had a badass two-seat buggy again the very next weekend took it out to adventure off-road I was amazed amazed at how stable it was uh, the big thing about it is is when you have a buggy that's designed to be a rock bouncer like that okay but when you have a buggy that's designed with such a low center of gravity and um, it's just different. Like, I, I could not flip the thing over. I remember going out the first time I took it out and I, I was climbing this hill 
and I got really off camber. I mean, pretty much sideways on this on the hill coming out of 41 at AOP, if anybody knows what I'm talking about. And it just wouldn't flip. And I was just like, man, this is a whole new level of work here. Um, but I ended up having a issue with the radiator that day. I was out there completely by myself riding. Um, ended up having that issue with the radiator. So I called it back, brought it back home. And um, it was in the middle of summer. It's hot. So I actually tabled it for a while. And the buggy was great. Took it night riding. Adventure Off-Road Park has an awesome event in July called Light the Night. Uh, it is an all-night ride, only night riding, pretty much. It's really cool. Highly recommend it. I took it out there, and, um, you know, this is this is when Razor buggies weren't that common. This was like three or three years ago, something like that now. I don't even remember. Uh, when I first got the buggy two years ago. And, man, people would look at you like crazy, but this is such a well-designed buggy. I, I really have nothing but positive things to say about the design of it. Took it to races, all that fun stuff. Uh, I ended up putting some 32-inch Pro Armor XG crawlers on there. Still to date, in my opinion, the best tire ever made. Um, but here's the thing. We started riding Windrock again, and we started doing miles. And, and being in that buggy for 16 hours, 14 hours, it was rough. That buggy was probably one of the most rough-riding things I've ever been in and it wasn't due to anything design wise it was just that you now have something that these this suspension is not designed to handle the way I always put it is like imagine your full body as like the standard edition Cadillac you know it, it rides it's not the top of the line it rides pretty good it's, it's good smooth and then riding a Formula One car because the Formula One car is built with a purpose. It is built with the intention that you're going to race it and it's going to be the most efficient thing right then and there. So the thing about it, that buggy was built for a reason. It wasn't built to go long distance. It was low center of gravity. The shocks were built to take in maximum amounts of pressure real quick. Um, at least that's what they were best at. And it was it was made just to, to do its business. It, wasn't, it didn't have business going miles. So... Long story short, I kind of started getting fed up with the buggy because I was like, I just want to be comfortable. I'm not really worried about going out there and smashing the biggest hills and things like that. I just want to be comfortable. Um, ultimately, I ended up selling it to a guy named uh, Steven. Steven has it right now. I doubt he will ever let it go. Uh, that buggy, now that it has a driver to go actually do what it was designed to do, um, that buggy that buggy set on murder all the time. That is a crucial killer savage buggy um it's a great time and i'm trying to remember i'm looking at all my pictures um again if you want to go through this with me i'm i'm about the point in my instagram where i started we're at hail mountain going up uh whiskey throttle and uh, there's lots of pictures of the buggy at Windrock and things like that but uh ultimately i ended up selling the buggy to steven and i got the 1000 xp that i have now and I'll tell you, coming from a buggy to a full body, it's just a completely different experience. If your goal is to go out and you want to kill hills and you want to build an indestructible machine and not worry about it getting rolled over and not worrying about trees and, and, and everything you can think of, I had UHMV panels on the side of the buggy. I would use trees on purpose. I'd be like, okay, if I can hit this tree, it'll bounce me over a little bit or it'll... It'll slow me down enough right here where I'm not going to, you know, shoot over the edge or things like that. But 
But, you know, there's just a time and place for it. And I wasn't using the buggy like I thought I would. I didn't, I just didn't, I couldn't, I couldn't outweigh the risk of getting hurt or, you know, something happening or, or truthfully the, the financial pain that is fixing everything that comes with a buggy. Because when you have the capabilities to go big, you're going to go big and you're going to break big and you're going to do it over and over and over again. Just ask anybody with a buggy or any of the racers for the drivers. It's just what happens. But I got my 1000 XP. My 1000 XP I've talked about a lot in the show. Um, it's got turbo suspension on there now. Uh, got the pack spring racing kit, full UTV spring on there. I believe mine is the standard version. They have a light standard and heavy. Mine's the standard version. Um, Everything's awesome with it so far. I'm about halfway through that spring install. We'll kind of loop back around to it because I got just miscellaneous topics we'll talk about. Um, but I got to really got to like beat the horse of the quality of powder coat on those springs. Their their part numbers are easily notated. Uh, it's just it's a very professional product. You know, I pulled my old stock springs off and they're worn. They're collapsed. Their powder coat's coming off. Like it's just it's just not the best quality. And when you see a company that makes their springs in America and just really has top-notch service all the way through, even from packaging, like I picked up the box, could not shake the springs. Uh, they really spend some time making sure that your springs are going to get to you in the most secure way possible. Uh, pack, pack racing springs, again, I just can't, I just can't beat that horse enough. Shameless plug for them, uh, RacingSprings.com. So. Moving on, uh, again, 1000 XP, I've talked enough about it. Um, you know, that's it, I'm gonna leave it there. Uh, one thing I do wanna figure out, if you guys have a solution for it, and if you, and, you know, anybody sponsors wanna listen, my steering on my 1000 XP full body, it sucks. Like, I don't know about y'all rest y'all full body guys, if y'all do, please reach out to me, comment on our Facebook or Instagram, let me know. The steering in these things, it's just, when you put 32s on them, they're just not, it's just not made for that. Uh, I don't know about the Turbo S because I haven't had a chance to drive it, but you know everything I've heard from the Turbo S is if you hit a tree too hard, your steering goes out and you got to reset it somehow, and your steering can just go out. It sounds like it, that seems to be a weak link right now, but I get you know there's a lot of feedback in the steering. It doesn't seem like I can keep my steering wheel straight for more than you know a couple rides at a time. Uh, it just seems pretty abusive. And if y'all have the solution, let me know because. Uh, I'm tired of my car having to, you know, finagle with the steering all the time. And if when I do, it, you know, it's just a weak link. If y'all have a fix for it, let me know. Not interested in the shock therapy thousand dollar rack. Um, you know, send me everything but that. Um, so what I want to do next is I want to take some time and just talk about the parks uh, because all the stories that I have go hand in hand with the parks. And you guys now know my complete background. I should be able to tell you what car I was in when I was doing what, but uh, we can do it. We can do it. Um, one of the most interesting things, and I'm going to start with my favorite park, is Windrock, Brimstone, and all the TVA land that's out there. Um, I, I just, I just can't, I cannot speak highly enough of the park itself because it, you know this. I'm going to, I'm going to table this for a second and actually say. My preferred method of riding, if you hadn't picked it up by now, is long distance exploration and, you know, hitting good trails while you're going through it. And, you know, good climbs, good obstacles that give you that satisfaction of climbing something cool, climbing something neat, and, and really, you know, enjoying yourself. But 
One Rock is so big and so many different things to see um, that you can just get lost forever. And I have a funny story about us actually getting lost, uh, while we'll talk about. But um, I'm going to scroll straight up through my Instagram uh, and just kind of talk about the pictures that are on there. Again, if you want to follow me through the, through the show, um, I'll include a link to my Instagram in the show. But um, I'm looking at October 11th, 2016. And um, I remember this trip because... Me and a couple buddies, uh, my friend Austin, Spencer, and Mitch, we were all up there, just took a weekend to go hang out, and uh, we were just driving, I think it was the first day we were there, and uh, we just pulled off on what looked like a side trail. It didn't look like anything, and you know, it goes for a while, there's a bunch of overgrown, doesn't look like anybody's been down the trail for a long time, and we pull up, and it's what used to be you know, in my opinion, what used to be like a waterfall or a large cliff face, but the entire cliff face had broken down and there were these semi-truck size rocks just all collapsed down and it was beautiful. We actually had lunch there and we climbed up on the rocks and took a picture. And if you, like I said, if you go back and look October 11th, 2016, it's me and my buddies and we're sitting on one of these giant rocks at Windrock. And again, this is just any random trail that we've, we just... You know, we weren't looking for this. So this isn't on the map. We just found it. And we're just sitting on the rocks. We're all actually flipping birds. But uh, it was a great trip. It was awesome. We just went out there, rode, and just explored. I don't even think we were really using any high-tech maps. We were using the maps that are available at, at uh, the general store at Windrock. They were awesome. And we stumbled upon that trail. Uh, the next picture on there is actually a picture of um, just when you get up on top of the mountain range at Windrock, it really is... It's just breathtaking because you can see for so far and so long. And I, I don't know about what they're called. There's a name for them. But when you start heading up Windrock, there's an area that's called the Flats. And it, it's the Flats because it's like someone cut the tops off all the mountains. You come out of the, you know, you come up out of the ravines and it's just miles of just beautiful beautiful, beautiful open air. And if you, again, if you're following me on my Instagram, um, you'll see there's three pictures of, of the rigs, but there's one of my buddies, 900 XP. It's on November 25th of 2016. Also, if you want to go on Facebook and look at these pictures, um, they're on Facebook all in chronological order under my Instagram uploads album. Um, the picture there is on top of the flats and it's just gravel, but the thing is you could see for, you know, you can see until you can't see anymore and just into the distance and it's beautiful. And Windrock is just full of this stuff right here. And I distinctly remember that very same trip or another trip actually. We climbed uh, Trail 57 at Windrock uh, and it was amazing how we got there. We went down into a ravine and we found a church that had um, a big plaque on the outside of it, and that plaque talked about a flood that happened in 1962 and about how members of the church had passed away and the church building itself had been flooded, and it's just a debt like a memorial, and we just stumbled up on it, and there's no way to get to this church but by dirt road, and it was still a very active church, so it was really cool to see um, just the th random things you can find in the woods, and if I recall correctly, that's near... Not exactly close, but that's in the vicinity of the Brushy Mountain uh, Penitentiary, which is now a publicized area, which I'll kind of loop back around to. But it's a really cool area, and, and we actually took a trail off near there to go up to 57, and we climbed all the way top 57. And on top of 57, there's a big gravel 
deposits that they have. And during this time, it was actually when the uh, Eastern Tennessee, the Smoky Mountains were on fire. And it was, it's funny, if you find the picture on my Instagram or sift through everything, um, and I, what I'll try to do is I'll try to culminate all these pictures and throw them on the Racing on the Rocks Facebook and Instagram. But it's a group of uh, me and Mitch and his family, and in the distance you just see these smoke pillars coming off the mountain. And these smoke pillars are from these wildfires, and we had no idea at the time that those wildfires were what they were. Um, we actually came back that weekend from you know everything and found out that there had been a series of wildfires, but there was probably 15 to 20 pillars of smoke just all throughout, scattered throughout the uh, the mountain range. And, and that's just another one of those crazy things is because we went riding at night too, and you would just ride through the entire you know trail system and look up through the mountains and you just see fires, fires everywhere. And you'd run up on fire trucks uh, on the trails and they'd been, you know, half on one side of the trail, the entire landscape had been charred and burned. And on the other side of the trail, it's lush and, you know, it's middle of summer, so it's not green perfectly, but, you know, it'd been just dried out vegetation. It was, it was just a beautiful experience. And one of the main reasons I harp on Windrock so much is because you can see everything and it's just a, you know, if you have that calling nature of going out and discovery and, and still riding good trails, this is it. This is where you're supposed to be. And um, there's so many other good things to Windrock. And one of the good things is... So Windrock is always a good time. It doesn't really matter when you go. Uh, I wouldn't recommend going in the summer because the trails can get pretty dusty because the, everything's just dry. The best time to go for sure is during the fall. And if you're going to Windrock specifically, I would highly recommend you check out um, the train, the quarry, the windmills, Brushy Mountain State Penitentiary, which is a now a moonshine distillery and a restaurant. And I think they run tours through there too. But if you do go to Windrock and you want to get to the penitentiary, um, take trails, the 20s, the, I believe it's 21, and follow 21 or 27 all the way till it ends. And right before that trail ends, it actually dumps into a creek. Follow that creek. The creek will take you to the road, go through the neighborhood, and it'll take you to the general store. And uh, just take a right at the general store, and there's Brushy Mountain Prison right there. Um, so really cool. Um, I've done a multitude of trips at Winrock, um, which kind of I'm going to bridge into Brimstone. If you haven't been to Brimstone, it's a little different than Winrock because it's not as rough. Let me just put it that way. Um, it's a lot more flat territory, kind of open trails, more, way more modernized, I guess. It just seems like more traffic goes through there. Um, also, at Winrock, roll it back for a second. Um, Winrock Trail 16 is my always hit. Uh, and I would saw a group of Jeeps one day. We were riding out there. We had done probably 150 miles that day, and the group of Jeeps we met at the beginning of the Trail 16 at 8 o'clock in the morning when we were coming back 11 p.m. at night. They were just coming off 16, and that's a big reason, too, that I am glad I chose the side-by-side -side because you can cover so much ground. But back to what I was saying, full-size rigs are a little hard, but um, Brimstone is really cool because, you know, there's nice trails there. There's obviously the big uh, white-knuckle event that they have every year, all the cool stuff there. But probably my entire favorite areas, um, they're TVA land. Uh, if you have any kind of GPS, there's a guy on Facebook that I highly recommend. 
you all check out. Um, I can't for the life of me remember his name, but um, he basically has all these trails mapped out, TVA, Brimstone, Windrock, everything, all into one GPS unit. And he, uh, he did a really good job, and basically, I believe everyone's familiar with uh, Panama City at Brimstone, uh, TVA, Royal Blue, all that land. Um, Royal Blue is not worth riding at all. Um, it's just, I mean, you could take your 4x4 truck down that, and as long as it fit down the trail, there's nothing worth riding there, really, to be honest with you. Um, I would highly recommend sticking to Brimstone and Windrock. But uh, Dragon's Back is just off TVA land, and... Um, Dragon's Back is, is one side of the trail coming up to Panama City, and Panama City is basically uh, an area on top of a mountain where they mined sandstone, and all the mining equipment is still partially up there, and there's big sand pits up there, like actual sand pits, big sandstone formations that you can crawl on. Um, there's plenty of pictures on my Instagram of me at that location. I highly recommend checking that out because it is cool, and um, that's a must-see, in my opinion. And also, if you go from Royal Blue side through the TVA land up to Panama City, um, that trail is my favorite trail ever. Because when it's a little wet, it's, it's, it's a really good time. And there's a couple of optional lines you can take just on the trail that are really cool. Um, I only got to run that side of it one time, and it was just... It's like everything I want to run in like a mile stretch. So it was pretty cool. Um, on the other side, however, you get a nasty series of drop-offs and pretty pretty good inclines. And the actual drop-offs themselves aren't that big of a deal, but the fact is is you're about 10 feet from about a 1,000-foot drop on one side. Um, I do have a video on my Instagram of us going up of it. Um, you know, I've got it tagged. It's November 29th, 2016. Um, and this is, it got it tagged in the Devil's Racetrack, Cumberland Trail State Park. <clears throat> but um, it's really cool, man. It's really cool. And it's it is beautiful. Um, but that climb is pretty fun, especially if you're going up that side. Uh, I highly recommend it. Um, again, that's my favorite place. But a lot of the cool things that you can see at Brimstone um, that you've probably already seen, and all of these things can be seen on my Instagram, JTMW is uh, the overhang where everybody goes and takes pictures like the little cliff edge in the in the river um, that's really cool you'll see people online jump their razors off of that thing um, it's really neat um, probably the coolest thing to go see just to go see there's a couple waterfalls but the eternal flame is just this crack in the ground you know legend legend here says that lightning hit the ground cracked the ground and then a, you know natural gas deposit was hit and Basically, there's a there's a fire that just is continuously there. Um, now, I've you know I'm gonna I'm gonna cover my legal butt here. I've never done this. You can't see the air quotes, but you can put the flame out and you know you can relight it with a match almost instantly. I think there's been a pipe installed so that it you know won't collapse back in or anything like that. You can always reach the flame, and there's a nice rock section on top of it that has been kind of made so you can set up camp there. It's really cool. Highly recommend going to go see that. Oh boy, but you know, there's so much at Brimstone, so much at Windrock that you just, I mean, I haven't covered a quarter of it, and I have been there multitudes of times riding a lot of different trails, so I really can't speak highly enough of that park. Um, Windrock has really great amenities, and um, especially if you go into their RV camp zone, wherever they have, wherever where they house. 
Um, the Race to Riches races, it's really nice through there. Um, Brimstone is also very nice, but it's a little crowded, and I don't necessarily like the entrance into Brimstone, especially if you're hauling, you know, anything over 36 feet, uh, would not recommend going down the way to Brimstone. You know, there's places off the way that you can stay. But, um, all in all, definitely my favorite place to go ride. Um, I may come back to stuff. I'm just kind of cruising through everything and just kind of hitting things as they go. Um, another park that I, I really recommend, um, but it's kind of coming to come with a caveat, uh, is Adventure Off-Road Park is the closest park to me that's, like, good. It's a good park, and you can spend an entire day there and have a good time. Um, Adventure is rocky. It is trail riding, but it is rocky, and it is rough. And uh, let me be honest with you. I went two weekends ago for the Bracket Buster race, and after the race, I went and rode around. And it's just gotten so rutted out and, and just dug deep. And I'm just telling you, it's, it's rough. It's, it's hard to go ride an entire day there just because it's gotten, it's gotten hard. Like, it's just everything's rutted out. I have plenty of videos on my Instagram um, of Adventure Off-Road Park. Uh, the, one of the main reasons is they have great participation at events. I have tons of pictures of buggies and videos of buggies out there riding trails. And if you go back to, you know, the 2016, 2017 era, you can see all these trails, you know, and if you go now and you look at them, they're so much worse now. But all my videos and stuff are way before they got dug out too bad. Um, but everyone puts a show on here. They have lots of races. The amenities are really good. Showers, bathrooms, you know. It's, I think it's 500 and something acres for adventure. I think they keep growing more and more each year. They're cutting new trails. Um, it's great for razors if you like you know, a little technical rock crawling, a little bit more rough stuff, but it's also great for full-size rigs. That's where I took my full-size rig almost every time. Um, I think it's great. Trail 41 is a must-hit, in my opinion, if you're really looking for a good challenge. And, uh, you know, just explore. You can do the whole park in a day, so hit every trail, explore, because it's a great time. Um, another park that is good for an afternoon is Woolies Off-Road. Uh, now, this part kind of sucks, but at the same time, it's good. Like, you know that you can go and spend three or four hours if you're close and enjoy yourself. They have plenty of uh, open areas where you can really open it up. Tons of tight, tight wood trails, big rock ledges, um, anything you can really think of. They've got some version of it. The only thing is it's very small. It's limited. You might run the same trails a couple times, uh, but you'll enjoy them, but you'll probably run the same trails a couple times. Um, again, I have pictures of that park on my Instagram. You just sift through it, and you'll you'll find everything you need to know there. Um, I would not recommend Woolies if you're looking for a place to spend an entire day. Um, unfortunately, Golden Mountain State Park or Golden Mountain Park uh, was shut down, but that's where Dixie Run was. They had some really cool obstacles, like a big old wooden bridge that you could drive across. Uh, that big old granite slab called the Jungle, which is great. Highly recommend you guys check out some videos of that. Um, that was a really cool obstacle when it was up and open. Um, also, if you go on my Instagram and you're looking at Adventure, uh, the one with my buggy, like right after I got it, um, the, my buggy's sitting on Trail 41, and if that gives you a good idea what I mean by a good rough park. Um, but there's plenty of pictures of Adventure. There's plenty of pictures of races at Adventure. Um, and then pretty much everything else in my buggy, uh, I pretty much geotagged everything. So if you're curious at all, about Tennessee riding or any of the parks that I've mentioned, um, just go look on my Instagram and do some surfing and follow us and 
follow Racing on the Rocks on Instagram, and I may shoot some of these over there too, just so everyone has context. But um, other places I really want to go ride, I'd like to go to Moab. I'd like to go actually ride the Rubicon Trail and Glamis. I want to hit some dunes sometimes. Uh, you know, there's plenty of riding in, the, in, in America, and I'll probably go to Roush Creek sometime soon. Um, you know, we'll see where I end up. The next one on my list that's going to be this month or July, for example, is uh, going to be Dirty Turtle. Never been there. Going out there. Uh, I'd like to go to Stony Lonesome soon as well. Um, if anybody wants to meet up and ride with me, let's go, man. Let's go have a good time. I'm, I'm ready to watch y'all break your stuff. And uh, I'm ready to get out there. I'm, I'm doing some practice for the Ultra 4 and getting the car set up for the Ultra 4 race coming up next year. And, uh, you know, we're just getting all that stuff nailed down, so... You know, I'm out there just practicing, trying to hold the machine together. But, you know, that's pretty much where I've been riding. Um, you know, there's a couple spots here, local, that I go ride at with uh, Will Bell, Zach Davis, and all those guys who are who are constantly racing. Um, they're great guys. Uh, another couple places I like are actually Circle E Ranch. Um, it's actually it's UTVs, ATVs, but it's for horses, too. So their availability is kind of weird, but that's a great park to ride. Uh, I've never even ridden the entire thing. Uh, that's kind of connected to Iron Gap as well. Uh, I've never been to Iron Gap, but uh, everything I've heard about that is that it used to be a lot longer than it was, and now it got shut down, and I don't know too much more about it. Like I said, I haven't been there, so I'm not going to speak for it. Um, another place that I've been, I just had it, and I thought I forgot about it. Oh well, um, those are all good places. Uh, oh, Wheeling in the country. Uh, yeah, Wheeling in the country is not great. It's it's really nice. Like we used to go for New Year's Eve when I was in high school, and people would go out there and put on a show. the The way the park is set up is it's like an amusement park, kind of. You have your parking lot. You have a big old like generic play area that's got the mud pits, but You've got like three trails. You have like the twisters, and you have the main trail, which takes you to like Flipper, Axle Hill, and like Horsepower Hill. Um, but you have these big like, you know, bounty hills. There's like ten bounty hills there, and they're all huge, and they're really easy to go watch people. Um, but that's pretty much it. They don't really have a whole lot of trails. I think they have like maybe four or five trails that are actually like any razor can go just hang on and play with them, but. Between you and I, I mean, I don't enjoy wheeling in the country because I'm not going to go up, you know, Flipper. I'm not going to go up Axel Hill. I don't have a desire to do that. Um, I will go if there's a group of people going and I'd like to, you know, just watch. But other than that, I'm just not interested. That park is, in my opinion, it's, it's going away, uh, especially in popularity. But, um, you know, there's lots of things. I don't know. If you, I don't know. I won't say any more about it because it, it is a good park. But um, that's pretty much where I go riding. Um, if anyone has any suggestions or if anybody is interested in meeting up to ride, y'all just message me. Um, JTMW on Instagram, Jesse Williams on Facebook, and um, Racing on the Rocks on Facebook. Follow us there. That's where you can get the most up to date. Instagram on uh, Instagram is Racing on the Rocks too. Um, also. You know, y'all, it, it it's interesting being in the side-by-side -side game because just like a lot of you guys, I mentioned earlier that, you know, sometimes you want to sell this piece of junk and then sometimes it's the greatest thing you ever had. 
Um, I wonder if anybody else goes through that because I genuinely, I put my razor up for sale because I genuinely want to get out of the sport sometimes and just want to be done for a while. But you know what? Things happen and I don't know. It just somehow I always end up staying in the sport and keeping the razor and all this and that. So, um, you know, I don't know if anybody else goes through that, but I go through it a lot. I'll say it that way. But I talked about my rigs. I talked about where I like to ride, where I'd like to ride in the future. And um, I just kind of want to talk about the, you know, the environment, how I see everything, because, you know, I'm actually relatively new to the, to the social media community of the, of the side-by-sides. And I kind of want to like, you know, just talk about it because it's kind of weird. I don't know if you guys know, it's kind of weird because, you know, we have hot topic items that come up on like Facebook, especially Facebook seems to be where everybody lands. You know, Instagram has its place, but you know, y'all, everything is on Facebook when it comes to side-by-sides and the off-road community. And, um, my big thing is if you're trying to sell something, put the price on there. And if somebody asks you the price, don't say PM me. That's just trash. You're just making it come. I had a guy do that to me actually on Friday, and it's it's Saturday. He did that to me yesterday. And I said, hey, man, what's the price of this? And she and he said, PM me. And I just want, I took every ounce of my, like, human beingness. to. I didn't just type back, no, like, worthless. You wasted my time. I'm sorry. You know, like, it just bugged the crap out of me. Just put the price up there. If it's too expensive, it's too expensive. You'll find out pretty quick. You know. If you want what it's worth, just put out what it's worth. I hate that. Another thing is, uh, you know, it's kind of weird how topics seem to circulate. Like, one person will talk about clutches, and the next thing you know, everything you see online is about, oh, my clutch is broken, my clutch did this, my clutch did that. Somebody will put something on there about, you know, suspension. The next thing you know, every conversation is about, what's the greatest A-arm? What's the greatest trailing arm? You know, it's just funny to me how topics seem to get, like, you have trending topics, essentially. I don't know if anybody else has noticed that, but, you know, it's one of those weird things I see. Um, But let's talk about the Polaris 2020 line. So, um, I've been pretty excited about it. Um, I have done a lot of research on what I could find. Um, You know, we're just going to kind of sift through everything and see what we can come up with. Because there's a lot of machines out there right now. The Turbo S is an awesome machine, but... Polaris seems to be throwing out the vibe that the 2020 is going to be a complete remodel of the um, of the Razor, just in general. I feel like they're going to come out with a new platform to keep up with the new Can-Am and also the Honda Talon that came out. But um, I'm not going to leak my sources because I want my sources to stay uh, trustworthy. But I have heard that they're going to completely redo the platform and that this will be the biggest year in terms of change from model to model. Now, I don't know what that means, but when that was told to me, I asked, you know, what does it, what does it mean? And they uh, basically said they couldn't tell me anymore, but I've heard three-cylinder engines, I've heard four-cylinder engines, I've heard, um, you know, they're getting away from the belt-driven, I've heard 200 plus horsepower, but the things that I think are probably a given on this model is there's going to be a chassis redesign. It's long overdue for that on the 1000 XP model. And there's also going to be major suspension changes. Um, Hopefully we'll see suspension out of the box be a little bit better. Um, I think that Polaris in the side-by-side market 
altogether are chasing kind of an empty horse, and that empty horse is wheel travel. Wheel travel helps your rig, but it's kind of like flex in a full-size rig. Like, eventually flex becomes, like, redundant, you know? If you have 40 inches of wheel travel at one wheel, you know, at what point does that become useless? Like, why, you know, when do limit straps come in and things like that? Like, it just needs, I don't know, to me... If they were to choose to redesign the suspension, don't aim for wheel travel. Aim for usable travel and aim for comfort. You know, I think the Fox Dynamic Shocks are a huge step in that direction because I actually got a chance to watch someone ride with them and watch somebody play with them and adjust them. And, you know, he would go be riding down the trail in soft or comfort and then he couldn't get over an obstacle because his belly was hanging up. Click it over to firm and that firm would give him enough body height when he hit the obstacle to just get over it. Um, just by changing the button of that, he got a little bit more belly clearance, which is really neat. But he also wasn't running a sway bar, and you know, the the, the dynamic aspect of the shocks was the shocks, the internal device inside the shock, essentially was a level one sway bar in the sense of it was it was managing the body roll on its own because it was so actively revalving everything and readjusting and whatnot, you know. Um, so that's really interesting. I think that that's a huge step in the correct direction, but the the weird, really weird thing to me, and, and I've heard, again, from my sources that Polaris is really trying to push those dynamic shocks, is that they made a 1000 with the dynamic system, and they, they don't have that anymore. Um, that was a really limited edition release, and it was, it was kind of weird. I thought it was a really weird sell, but I'll tell you, I think that's coming back. Um, I think we're going to see almost every model come out now with a dynamic option or dynamics option, whatever you want to call it there. Um, I just really think that we're in a time where Polaris is going to set itself apart here. And if they don't, they're going to get lost and just become kind of another one, you know, because Can-Am has the huge power. The Talon has its, you know, drivetrain. You know, everything seems to have its own thing. And the reason that a razor is so popular is because a it's just like I bought a razor because it's popular, and that sounds silly, but I bought it because of the aftermarket support. I bought it because if I'm broken down at Brimstone and someone drives by me and they have a spare axle, it's going to fit because chances are they're going to pull up in a razor. Um, you know, there's something about the safety net of having the most popular vehicle because there's going to be support for it, there's going to be help for it, there's going to be knowledge about it. Um, there's something to be said for that. So, you know, I, I, I don't know, man. I, I just, I just really think that they're going to reinvent this entire thing. And, um, I'm just curious. I'm just very curious. Now I told you this, uh, a little earlier on Facebook, but I actually pretty sure I saw a leaked picture of the 2020 trail edition 900 S or 1000 S and um, it has the fang lights, but one thing I noticed is the seats have the cutout for the uh, harnesses uh, from the factory. It came with harnesses from the factory. It came with a kind of weird modified half windshield looking thing from the factory. Um, and the shocks seem to be at a uh, more vertical position, um, which, you know, I'm not a full engineer there, but whatever, you know, I mean, it's, it's a change, and I'm curious if that change is good or bad, we'll see, but I, uh, I don't know, man, I'm just, 
I'm just really interested in what they have going on. But um, I'm reading on here that, you know, they're looking at changing, you know, I'm, I'm, on, my, I'm on my secret sources here. Uh, they're looking at changing uh, the engine. That seems to be the most, most aggressive thing. And obviously with the chassis redesign, we'll see a plastics redesign. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I just don't, I'm just not sure. Because I would really hope that Razor would change the aesthetic of the vehicle because, I mean, the Wildcat XX looks better than, you know, a Razor, in my opinion. So to make it look a little bit more aggressive, more edgy, I mean, obviously the Can-Am is the best looking car out there right now. Maybe even, I mean, I don't know, I haven't looked at a Talon in person, but, you know, Can-Am looks like Batmobile, so that's pretty neat. And your Razor looks like kind of a hybrid box, but I don't know. All in all, I'm excited for it. Um, I hope I, I, I'm hopeful that Polaris has been listening to its its people and, and been doing the correct research. Um, I think the good things from the high lifter need to come over to the rest of the models, like the gear ratios and things like that. Um, and I'm really curious to see what the Turbo S turns into. You know, if there's going to be modifications to that lineup as well. I'm just I'm just spitballing. You know, um, I have heard that they're going to make an out of the off the factory, like off the floor, desert edition that is a stretch two-door. I've, I've heard that. I think that's a little far-fetched, but they're going to make customized, ver not customized, but very specialized models that do certain things better. And I think, we'll, you know, again, the desert racing trophy truck style, everything seems to be where everything is headed next. So... I don't know, tinfoil hats on, tinfoil hats off, whatever, you, however you want to look at it. But all in all, uh, if you guys have any questions for me um, or, or even about the show or what we do or how we can make it better, um, y'all feel free to let me know. I'm just a guy in a small room <laughs> talking into my microphone trying to make things work. Um, so if there's, any, everything, if there's ever anything I can do to make the show better, you know I'd be more than happy to hear what you guys have in mind. Also, I really rely on you guys for getting guests because uh, drivers reach out to me and say, hey man, I've had a huge influx of people ask you know, if I'll come on the show or I'll reach out to drivers and say, hey man, people have been asking for you, like can you get on the show? And uh, that's really what drives the, that's what motivates the drivers to come be on the show because of you guys and, you're, and the exposure that you guys have um, to motivate people and it, it's a good place to be, so... With that, um, I think I'm going to close it up, honestly. Uh, I'm, I'm, again, really weirded out just sitting here talking to myself, and I'm sure this podcast went all over the place. So uh, hopefully it was cool. And if you guys have any questions, please, the best way to ask questions is on the Facebook wall. Post it where everybody can see it, and that way I only have to answer it once. <laughs> and that way we can all get the same answer, and everybody else can chime in and give me their opinions too because everyone's got an opinion right or wrong, I want to hear them all, and, you know, I'm excited, I, 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 uh, I got big people I'm talking to right now, in terms of, uh, what we can do, you know, in the future of the show, things like that, but, uh, my kid just ran in here, and then just looked at me, and then ran immediately back out, but, uh, you know, in terms of the future for the show, I've got some big things in mind, and, uh, if y'all have anything in mind, or anything you'd like to see us do, again, just reach out, so, with that, uh, I'm going to sign off. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and uh, thanks for the sponsors, and thanks for hanging in there with me during this bridge week where I do something kind of weird and 
you know, do something a little, uh, a little different. So if you guys like it, let me know. If you guys hate it, let me know. And I will never do this again because, uh, I doubt I'll do this again because talking to myself in a room, uh, is kind of weird, but I appreciate you listening and I hope you have a good one. Hey everybody. Thanks for listening. Um, I do want to give one more shout out to pack racing springs. Um, a great company to deal with. Again, I highly recommend you go back and listen to the interview I did with Chris Berger. Uh, it highlights the fact of um, just a good product, and not only a good product, but an overlooked product uh, that's met with quality. The reason I wanted to do business with them is because this is the last time I'll ever have to deal with my suspension. It is a one-time fix, and it will work forever. I got my springs in this week. The slider is is the most dense piece of of just it's a it's a hardened plastic, and it's so well molded, it's so well designed. All of the coils are perfectly powder coated, beautifully marked with what coil they are, what package they came from, which which spring is the top, which spring is the bottom. The instructions were beautifully easy. Everything about it has just been great. Um, I, I really cannot speak highly enough about Pack Racing Springs, um, and you can get in touch with them at PackRacingSprings.com, or I'm sorry, excuse me, RacingSprings.com, and their phone number is 866-799-9417. Tell them Racing on the Rock sent you, or use discount code ROR for 10% off your order. Infinite Off-Road has also been very good to me. That's actually where I picked up my set of sticky tires from Ultra 4 Car, um, he has select options there, and the only reason I say that is because it's kind of rare to find the tires he has to offer, um, but the lighting, the rock lights, the wheel rings, whips, everything. Whips are so big right now. Um, everything's got a 25-year, you break it, they fix it, warranty, even covering accidental damage. It's awesome. It's just, it's awesome. I've seen nothing but good support from them. Also, all things UTV, I'm going to beat this dead horse till it's done because it's the end-all, be-all for your front differential. Um, the RS1 swap, Dustin has RS1 diffs in stock. He has the plate that you need to get in there and mount it so you can mount an RS1 diff in your 1000 or turbo. He also has um, axles to go with that. Like if you're a 1000, you'll need to swap the axles over to turbo axles. And it's a one-stop shop. You get the diff, the plate, the axles, everything you could need to make that swap. You get it all in one place. And that's allthingsutv.com. Dustin Robbins is your man to reach out to, and uh, tell them Racing on the Rock sent you. See, see if they'll uh, see if they'll work with you a little bit. You know, just let them know where you came from, and uh, more more than anything, just make sure you guys share the podcast, talk about it, show your friends. Um, you guys are great. I'm I'm seeing more and more engagement from you guys as every day goes on, and I'm just super stoked about it. You guys are awesome. So thanks for listening, and continue to share and like the podcast, and let me know if there's something I can do better, and uh, let me know. If you love it, and let me know if you hate it. So without that further ado, everybody have a good rest of your day, and I will see you next week.